Welcome to the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. Hey, Philip here. This episode is a little different. It started life as something that I put together for a coaching client of mine. He's launching a podcast. It's going to be great. And I was sharing some of my perspective on what makes for a good interview. And in the course of doing that, I said, well, I think Howard Stern is actually a great interviewer. And that reminded me that there's this particular interview that Howard Stern did with Madonna that I think is a great example of a lot of his, how good his interviewing technique is. And I got to thinking, well, I think under, I think it might be reasonable under the copyright law fair use standard for me to pull some excerpts from that interview and surround it with my own commentary on what Howard Stern is doing that I think is so great. Now, to be clear, this is not so you can, you know, become Howard Stern. This is to make you and whatever interviewing you're doing for research or podcasting purposes to help you get better at that. That's why I'm doing this. Again, this started life as something I did for a client. And then I thought, you know, this might make a pretty interesting podcast episode. So I recorded it being pretty not clear on whether what I was doing falls under fair use. After discussing with some people, I think it does. And so what I'm doing is I'm going back and putting in this intro and releasing this as a public podcast episode that now anybody can look out, can see on on the podcast feed. So that's what's going on. That's that you'll hear me do a little hand wringing in the second intro to this about the whole fair use thing. Anyway, I, I hope you get a lot from this. If you do anything that involves interviewing either research or your own podcast, I hope this contributes to be, to you being an even better interviewer. I think Howard Stern is an absolutely amazing interviewer, and I think I can prove it to you. So I have no idea where I stand legally with doing this. I think I'm <clears throat> within the bounds of fair use here. I've downloaded from YouTube the audio of Howard Stern's interview with Madonna on 3-11-2015. And this interview has a couple, well, more than just a couple. It's full of moments that demonstrate, A, how Howard Stern is a fantastic interviewer, and B, I think for you, things that you can use in your own interviewing not in the exact same way that you'll hear Howard Stern do, but in a similar enough fashion that it's it's usable. It's it's a you know something you can learn from. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to play. Uh, I'm just going to start the interview off just the way it does. So you'll listen to about a minute of I don't know. Let's call it setup. It doesn't come across to me as highly scripted setup meaning it, it feels somewhat improvised, like you get the feeling like Madonna is really walking into Howard Stern's uh, radio studio for the first time and sort of settling herself and getting into the interview. So naturally, in any kind of show at this level, <clears throat> there's going to be some level of prep work and some level of here's what to expect. And also, Madonna is no stranger to being interviewed. So she herself is a great interview subject just because she's going to know almost instinctively what to do to be an interesting interview subject. 
Even so, this gets real interesting as it gets a little further into it because you'll hear Howard pushing her, even her boundaries, <laughs> which, you know, I think if you think about Madonna's career, like that's a career of pushing boundaries and he's there pushing her boundaries because that's what you have to do sometimes for it to be an interesting interview. So again, um, I hope this breakdown is interesting to you. Um, I'll just, again, play segments. Uh, at first, there'll be continu- contiguous um, things that I've pulled out of the, you know, the actual thing. Later on, I might uh, to try to shorten this a bit for you because the actual interview is uh, an hour and 23 minutes. And, I, you know, I think it's worth a listen, but I'll try to just highlight the parts where Howard Stern is kind of doing his Howard Stern thing to great effect and um, tell you what the, the takeaways are for you in each of those moments. Here we go. The Howard Stern Show. There she is. There she is. Oh, my goodness. Let me gaze upon you. <laughs> wow. It's you. <laughs> Talking about you for four hours. Come on in. Um, you, look, just, you look great. Thank you. Hi, Robin. Hi. We had to put that microphone uh, like that. Because? Because we usually wear them on our head, but I... No, I know, but then I have to mess up my hair. No, yeah, no, don't we don't want you to hair. do that. You, you look beautiful. That. I want to be, be fabulous for you. Nobody relates to hair problems more than me. Okay. This might be a small thing, but just notice the how, how Howard Stern is kind of bonding with his guest. He's doing a little bit of self-deprecation. It's not over the top, um, but he's finding something in common, and... You know, again, I don't know how much prep exactly he does for his interviews. It's more than zero. Again, you don't have a show at his level where you or a production team is is not doing prep like that. But, you know, to just kind of throw out an off-the-cuff comment like that that's self-deprecating and, and funny and and also sort of sympathetic to your guest is uh, the sign of a master. And um, I don't know how much of that is replicatable, but... This is usually the part of the interview where you are trying to find something where you can bond with your guest. And that's a great example of that happening. Okay, and I brought this notebook because I tend to sink into couches and become even shorter than I actually am. Oh, sit down and relax. You'll have fun. She's going to sit on a notebook. Okay, (laughs) there you go. Or maybe I could just... Okay, what's about to happen here is Howard Stern is seizing the reins and moving the interview forward. There was a moment there where... The small chat, the, you know, the, the small talk, the chit-chat could have continued. He's about to not let it continue, and he's about to, you know, sort of kickstart something, which is the momentum of the interview. So just notice that. Madonna, yeah. we're so excited you're here. It's great to see you. I was just reading your credentials. My credentials? Uh, you know, well, yeah. I mean, 300 million albums sold. Yes. And that's pretty... Damn Do you amazing. know that every day? Like, okay, there's a potential trap that Howard could fall into here. He doesn't, I know, because I've listened to this interview a number of times. I think it's amazing. The potential trap that he could have falling fallen into is, I'm not quite sure how to describe it, but basically, there's he's at a fork in the road, and one way he could go here is incredibly boring which is to talk about the album sales thing as a sort of out-of-context, amazing accomplishment. Aren't you amazing? Oh, this is, you know, what is it like to sell 300 million albums? And 
You don't know this because you haven't heard it yet, but you're about to hear it. Notice the direction he takes it instead. I think he chose the right fork in the road. Really, there were more than two forks. Like at this moment, he could have chosen a multitude of directions to take the interview in. He chose, I think, well. And it's not like there's one best choice he could have made here, but he made a good choice rather than something that would have kind of killed the momentum of the interview. And what he does is he chooses to dig into... I want to say, you know what? He, he chooses to invite his guest to be vulnerable. That's what he does. And he does so by digging a little bit and priming Madonna a little bit in a certain way. And just listen for that. I sold $300 million albums. Or are you neurotic? Um, are you neurotic like me? And you go, it doesn't matter that I sold 300 million albums or I had a big radio audience. I worry about how to continue this whole Yeah, how party. do I sell my next? Yeah. Yes. Okay, again, notice he's not throwing Madonna under the bus here. He's not saying you and I are so different and you have a, an embarrassing problem that I don't have. He's saying, do you, like me, share this problem? Would you be vulnerable and tell my audience about that? You're not alone here. I'm like this too. And again, I think that's, that's very important Madonna is not going to, um, you know, again, she's not new to being interviewed. She's not new to being asked pointed questions. But I, I think the way Howard Stern asks that question here is really pretty artfully done. You do worry. I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't focus on my accomplishments. I focus on the things I haven't done yet. Uh -huh. right. Yes. And, and Extremely neurotic. Okay. Great interviewers ask great follow-up questions. One of the simplest all-purpose follow-up questions, you have to be careful with this because it's a little bit of a challenge, but the question is, why do you think that is? Listen for what happens next. Yes, <clears throat> and, and why do you think that is? Do you, is there a part of you that doesn't believe that you made it? In the sense that, do you still, use, still see yourself as this little girl from a small town, you know, and yep. like, you do, right? It's a small but subtle thing, but notice how Howard Stern is using, let's call it uh, narrative imagery. Do you still see yourself as this little girl from a small town? This is almost visual, almost cinematic language that's being used here. I, I, that might be a little bit uh, of over, over the top way to put it, but Howard Stern is offering, and this is, I think, partially for his interview subject for Madonna, and mostly for his audience, he's starting to weave in these sort of um, elements of like the great stories, the, the little girl from the small town who goes to the big city and, you know, works hard and against all odds makes it big. Like that's in microcosm a, a story and it's, it's a very sort of, um, you know, hero's journey based narrative. And all that Howard is doing is just pulling out some images. And again, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know for him how much of this is conscious and how much of this is sort of interviewer muscle memory, the same way a, you know, a great musician has so much of their art baked into muscle memory. So I'm not suggesting that it would be good to do this awkwardly or clumsily, but over time, I think you start as an interviewer having this ability to engage the audience 
you know, your interview subject is telling the story, but you're helping them tell the story by dropping in these little tidbits of narrative and, and visuals and color and analogy and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. You don't my, my manager like... always says, excuse me for yeah. interrupting. Uh -huh. My manager's always like, you don't need, I'm like, I, but I got to work. I got to work. It's like, you stop acting like you don't have any money, but it's just ingrained in me. Is that because you grew up with, with no money? Okay. Again, great follow-up question. This one is different. So the, the style of this one is different. Instead of saying, why do you think that is? Which that would have been a, you know, a perfectly serviceable follow-up question here. But Howard Stern's doing two things. He's mixing up the style of follow-up questions. And then second, he is making, um, he's making a, his own guess about why that would be. So instead of saying why this is, he's saying, is it because of this thing that I, I think it might be because of? And there's two ways you can go with that. One is it can be a way to sort of steer the conversation towards something that you think is true and you think would be interesting to the audience or would be interesting to talk about with your guest. The other thing is that you can purposefully say, is it because of, and then what follows that is purposefully wrong. And you do that to help your guest clarify. So sometimes I've run into this with some guests. I've never interviewed Madonna, but I've run into this with some guests where they'll sort of take the story a little bit, not quite in the direction that I think would be most interesting or most relevant to my audience's needs. And so what you can do is to kind of pull them in the right direction, them being the guest, pull your guest in the right direction by asking a, a sort of, I don't know what the right word for this is. It's not a loaded question, but it's a question where you're saying, um, is that because, and the reason that you suggest is something you know is probably not it, but you're trying to help kind of, it's like sort of calibrating an instrument, um, you know, if you had some sort of scientific instrument and you wanted to calibrate it, there's going to be like, oh, you're going too low, oh, you're going too high, and then you're sort of finally getting to that point of calibration. And I think that, that you can do the same thing with questions. Um, in his book, uh, Never Split the Difference, Chris Voss talks about calibrating questions. And they're questions that are purposefully wrong in order to get to agreement or understanding or you know, a sort of shared understanding of something. And that's the kind of question uh, that Howard Stern's asking here. So it's a follow-up question, and it's also one to kind of move the interview along. And, um, you know, because, you know, anytime you get a, a, a successful artist talking about money, it's almost guaranteed to be interesting. That's why it moves this interview along. And also, it's one that, um, you know, if he turned out to be wrong, he doesn't because he's done his homework. But if, the, if, if he said, oh, is that because of money? And Madonna said, oh, no, it was some other reason. Then that would also be interesting, and it would create a sort of momentum because there would be a tension between what Howard Stern said and what Madonna said. And that would also be interesting for the listener. Anyway, that's the function of this type of follow-up question. Yeah, I grew up um, with no money and a big family and a hardworking father, and uh, I had to do 
do keep you know I do work a lot to do simple things like if I wanted to take a dance class my my dad said well go get a job I'm not paying for it so it's just ingrained in me I have the same affliction I say <laughs> I even say to my kids oh I have to work I have to and they go well you've made enough money I go no but I, I I feel like I'm running out of money yes it's two it's twofold though it's not just that I feel like I'm running out of money it's also I like to do things I like to be productive be creative manifest. Well, I'm not talking about the money so much, but you know that you know how to do what you do. You know how to make music. You know how to write songs. And I love it. And But I'm just saying, you know that you know that. You're not nervous that you can't have another hit. Well, I'm not sure about a hit. Okay, two things are about to happen here real fast. One, <clears throat> Howard Stern is about to summarize what he thinks his guest is saying and Immediately after that, he's going to move the, the conversation along. So he's going to circle back to a previous point with the, the uh, goal of moving the conversation along. I sense that he felt like it was starting to get on a bit of a tangent. And so it's, you know, that's another part of the art of great interviewing is there's a plan and there's also an equal, equally uh, strong ability to improvise and be fluid with implementing the plan. And so I think you'll hear that happening in this next moment. So again, Howard will quickly summarize what he thinks his, his audience, his guest is trying to say, that's a more graceful thing to do than cutting somebody off. You're sort of saying, okay, here's what I think you're getting at. They're satisfied that that has been expressed and there's an opening for you to move things on. And that's exactly what Howard does in this next little super fast bit. You just but like I, the process. I love the pro creative process. Yeah. So anyway, I was saying Elvis, the Beatles, I mean, you know, all this stuff, Elvis, the Beatles, mm -hmm. Michael Jackson, mm -hmm. and you, mm -hmm. that's the highest selling artists of all time, mm -hmm. which to me is phenomenal. That's good company. That really is good company. And you're the only woman in that. Yeah. Group, that, yeah. In that whole group. And I'm practically the only one alive. Are you? Yeah, right. I mean, you, the, well, there's some there's Beatles. Some, yeah, that's, still that's left. true. Yeah. That's true. I interviewed Billy Joel and he said, uh, and I interviewed him a couple of times, and the main theme is that he sometimes pinches himself. He can't believe. Okay, so he goes, there's a it's handful. A there's a, yeah, there's a handful of artists yeah. that can actually still sell stadiums and do all of that. Mm -hmm. And he's one of them. And he's mm -hmm. like, yeah, of course I go out and sing. I have to. He goes, it would be almost weird not to. He's, he's hardwired. You know him at all? I do. I mean, I don't know him. I met him once. I mean, that doesn't really. Okay. I don't know if this next question is improvised or not, because I have no insider knowledge here, but it feels almost improvised and it feels perfect for the moment. So Madonna's now started talking about Billy Joel. I, that did not seem like anything that uh, Howard Stern could have anticipated. And so he's doing, he's, he's jumping on an opportunity that this uh, somewhat organic somewhat free-flowing conversation has afforded him. And the opportunity is to say, my audience, I know that they would want to know this, and so I can be here on their behalf to ask Madonna this question that I'm pretty sure at least some or a lot of my audience would be curious about. And if they were having this conversation, what would they say? And they would maybe just sort of jump on this topic too and follow the thread of the conversation. So that's what I think is going on and what you'll hear happen next. 
is that a great part of fame, having fabulous friends, like like getting to meet everyone? Uh, I do get to meet everyone, but they don't necessarily become friends. Celebrities are really weird around other celebrities. They're actually quite shy. Okay. So Madonna says something real interesting here. And Howard Stern now unleashes a barrage of follow-up questions. And the noticing the style of these questions, I think, is very interesting. So you'll hear him kind of throw out some, um, let's just say, speculative theories of like, again, he's... What he's really doing is asking a variation of the, why is that? But instead of saying, why is that? And just asking a purely open-ended question, he's um, kind of throwing out, and I I think part of the, let me finish my sentence. He's throwing out some, is it because of this? Is it because of that? And I think what he's trying to do is, again, he may not be conscious of this, but the function that this serves is to add color to the interview. Because if every follow-up question is, why is that? Or why do you think that is? Or why do you make of that? Those are great general purpose follow-up questions. But, you know, if you know a little bit about your interview subject or your guest on the interview, or if you have a point of view about the thing they're talking about, then this is a perfect place for you to deploy your point of view so that you can kind of enliven the conversation. And that's, I think, what's happening here with Howard Stern's follow-up questions. You don't have a lot of celebrity friends? I, I don't. Those no. relationships are hard to maintain? Um, yeah, because everybody's busy working. Yeah, but don't you also think that it's hard to be friends with you because you're so successful? And that even other su- successful people want to be the star in the room. They want to be the one that draws the attention. Don't mm. you think that sometimes? I think that's why it's hard. Possibly. I haven't really analyzed it. It's too know. competitive. Po- yeah. I yeah. think. Yeah. Who, does, who gets all the attention and does that bother the other well, people not getting the attention? Well, I certainly think that happens when it comes to relationships. Yeah. When you did- celebrities hooking up with celebrities is pretty rare. When you get uh, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, does that mm-hmm. mean anything to you? Do you get excited about that, or do you sit there and go, this is such bullshit? I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I think I, I perceive it. I know it's an honor, but at the end of the day, I don't really care about awards and those kind of things. I care about how I live my life, how I treat people, and if I raise good children. Now, speaking and, of raising children, yes. so Robin's like, oh. <laughs> Ro- Robin goes... Madonna doesn't raise her own children. She what? has a she has a posse of people now, who Robin, take care of the kids. That's so not nice of you to say. No, I was and, simply thinking of how hard you work, how creative you are, and how many hours there are in a day. Yes, it's true. I do have help, but they don't raise my kids. They don't teach them morals, and you know they're not as you know they're, they they just can't. They're not standing. You love being me. a mother. I do love it. It's also exhausting. It is. And, and, you know, I was saying to Robin before you came in, I was talking about a couple of things that I always think of when I think of you. When you went to adopt your children, mm-hmm. the world gave you such shit for this. Yes. And I remember being on the radio going, why the hell would somebody want to prevent a kid who doesn't have parents or parents a home, or a home uh-huh. and someone wants to give them a good life? Uh-huh. Was that mind boggling to you when you went through that? This question has a lot of setup, doesn't it? And that's totally okay because, again, it's n- it's not Howard Stern making the show about Howard Stern. That would be a mistake. That's a mistake, actually, that Tim Ferriss makes all the time, and I can't stand it. He, he doesn't make it about him, but it does sort of <clears> – <throat> I'm always wanting to compare stuff to music 
because I think there's, you know, in something like this, there's such a an overlap of how things move forward through time. And that's a big part of what music is about. And so this is a sort of, um, you know, it's like a, it's a kind of a different, you know, tonally in terms of music is like a different part of the orchestra playing or it's, it's sort of a different feel. And, and Howard has sort of temporarily taken over the storytelling from his guests, but it's all in service of setting up the next question. So to me, that's what's so interesting about this part where he starts, you know, he has this fairly lengthy setup. I mean, it's not that long. This is a pretty fast moving interview, but compared to some of the other questions where it's like, why do you think that is? Or do you think that's because of money? Or do you think that's because you're rich and they're not? Those are all follow-up questions. And this is a different type of question and it's it takes more time and it's more involved, but it's again it serves the function of a sort of um, a, a kind of a counter almost like a musical counterpoint to what's been going on, and it sets up the next question, and again it's very well executed. Oh, and real quick, it's not one that could have been done without a fair bit of research. Now you know with someone like Madonna some of the research is just being plugged into pop culture because that's the place where she's trying to show up. Some of it would be deeper research. Some of it in Howard Stern's case might be done by, you know, a crew of producers who are, you know, digging through and they have a sort of idea of what's going to make for an interesting interview and they're good at this stuff. So they're setting him up with, you know, the sort of artifacts of their research. But, um, you know, for someone who's not famous, this might take a little bit of digging, but it also might not be a lot more difficult than if you're interviewing someone for a podcast that's business focused, might not be a whole lot more difficult than looking through their LinkedIn profile, spending some time thinking about that, looking at other publicly available information. You know, a lot of times that can kind of prime you to ask these kinds of questions that Howard has just asked, where there's, it's a bit more elaborate the question almost becomes a part of the story, even though it's not coming from the interview subject's mouth. And it kind of propels the, uh, it, it, set, it really primes the interview subject, your guest, to give what is hopefully a very interesting answer. Yeah, it crushed me. I have to say it was one of life's great disappointments. And you didn't <laughs> give up, though. You, well, you no, kept pressing through, on. I went through, well, I, I'd already, I went through the adoption and, um, and then I adopted another another child. So I did keep on, but um, it was really a bizarre experience. Okay. I'm going to uh, cut out a section here so that I can more quickly get to my next and really my last point here. Again, this whole interview between Howard Stern and Madonna is super interesting. You can check it out on YouTube. I think it's worth checking out. I, th I think if you just uh, go on YouTube and search for uh, Howard Stern, Madonna, you'll you'll find it. It's not that hard to find. But I want to just make this one last point about persistence. There is a time and a place when you're interviewing someone to um, ask a question that they don't want to answer, uh, learn that they, that they don't want to answer it, and drop it. There's, I think, a time and a place to actually find that out before you do the interview. <laughs> by asking them, hey, is there anything that you would like me to not ask about during this interview? I, I used to do that and so consistently got nothing in response to that question that I just stopped asking that question. 
as a part of my interview prep. But certainly in, in there's a time and a place where you may need to do that. Um, and then there's a time and a place when you ask a question, they don't want to answer it, and maybe you persist. And th- my God, is this... This, this is as far away from the science end of the spectrum as you can get, and it's as close to the art end of the spectrum as you can be to know when you persist. What I'm going to play for you is that moment, or probably one of several, but the first real big moment where that happens in this interview with Madonna, where he starts digging around with some stuff that she apparently doesn't want to talk about, although... You could argue she does want to talk about it. She just wants to be asked more than once to talk about it. Or you could argue that she really doesn't, but she concedes to talking about it because here she is in a live radio interview with Howard Stern, and what are you going to do? Um, I don't know which it is. And I, you know, I, I don't know if Howard Stern pushes it too far. But so I, I just present this to you as a sort of educational moment in an inter- interview where the interviewer may or may not have pushed it too far. The guest may or may not have been very comfortable with their own response and the fact that they did respond and may or may not have felt pressured to do so. But one of those configurations of things is happening. We can't really know, but it's an interesting moment, hopefully for you as someone trying to get better at your interviewing to listen in on. And and the fact that you have kids now, how do you learn how to be a mother if you've never had a mother and how do you get that in check? Because that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I think you just learn as you go and I tried to be the mother that I wasn't that I didn't have. That you didn't have. I tried to be all those things that I wanted. I tried to be nurturing, I tried to be their friend, I tried to be there for them, I tried to give them advice. Um, sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes things don't go the way I planned. And um, and I asked my sister for her advice because she was raised by my grandmother and she's a good mother. I don't know. Your father raised you, essentially. Yeah. And yeah. The, the part that I think is When he wasn't of, working. <laughs> your father married the housekeeper? Yeah. And And when that happened, she was your stepmother. You hated her. You couldn't stand it. Okay, you're going there. Right? You're just going there, Howard. I am. I'm curious because I mean, to me, this is the most fascinating part. of. If you're not comfortable going there, I'll, I'll leave it. But How old was she when all of this occurred? You were a kid. Mm, I'm with my psychoanalyst right now. You are. Get on that <laughs> um, couch. I'm on the couch. Right. But Should seriously. I? But I really, mean, it makes a difference how old you are. How old? I was, um, it was three years later. So, um, I mean, I was almost six when my mom died. So I was almost nine when my dad mm. remarried. And um, it was... She was our housekeeper for a bit, but she she disappeared. It's a long story. You mean she left you? I mean, she was our housekeeper, but she had to go. She was pregnant. It's a long story. This is like a soap opera. Right. She was pregnant, but she went away to have her baby. It was somebody else's. It was very complicated. Then we had other housekeepers, and then she showed up, and my dad said he's marrying her. So we, we were really shocked by it because we were still mourning and grieving my mother's death, which my father never spoke about. So it was— He never sat you down and said your mother died, and no. and, and this is—and you couldn't No, he never said, how do you feel about it? Like, we never had a group hug. We never had a, a cry. We never had a um, no. Isn't that amazing? My father's very stoic yeah. and old school, and I think he was devastated, too, and I don't think he, he had words for his— pain 
my mother lost her mother when she was nine. Mm-hmm. And living with a woman who had lost her mother mm-hmm. was maybe the most difficult thing because sometimes I oh. felt I had to be her father. Uh, you know, sometimes maybe I had to do that, you know, and it was a very difficult thing for me. That's why I mm. asked you about it. That's why I was so curious about it, because mm. I know how difficult that is. Is Howard Stern's reason that he gives after asking the question for his persistence, his curiosity, is it adequate? I don't know. Hard to say. It, again, this is way on the art end of the spectrum, not at all on the science end of the spectrum. Would you, you know, you know, a podcast interview where your your podcast that's out there for a business audience um, be asking those kind of questions? Absolutely not. But will you have the opportunity to ask difficult, challenging questions of your guests? Absolutely. And having the courage to do it, and them having the courage to trust you to uh, to answer the question is sometimes those create just incredible moments in podcasts. So that's why I wanted to make sure to include that fairly lengthy bit um, of Howard really pushing Madonna to go someplace she appeared to not be comfortable. And then I think uh, personally, I think it was fine for him to do that. Like that's, she knew, she knew anybody who guests on the Howard, or, you know, who goes into the Howard Stern show for an interview knows what they're getting into. So I, I don't think he pushed anything too far. But I think he he did that pushing in the service of creating a compelling interview, an emotional moment where in Madonna's voice, you can hear the complexity of that story, some of the pain, some of the um, fact that time has passed and the pain is not what it was. You can hear hints of all of that. It's, It's just incredibly powerful, I think. And it only would have happened had the interviewer been willing, as he was, to push a little bit beyond what she was comfortable with. So that's where I'll end it. We're at about 30 minutes on this um, this dissection. I hope you found it useful and maybe gives you some ideas to use in your own interviewing and hopefully helps you level your game up, even if just a millimeter helps you move in the positive direction as an interviewer.